Hello to all the young kids doing the whip on the dance floor. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hey everybody, Chris Gethard here. Welcome to Beautiful Anonymous. Hope you're doing well. Hope the new year is starting off right. Hope you're feeling good. Hope everybody you know is feeling good. Thank you for listening to the show. That's a nice way to start. Didn't expect to say that. You may notice that uh, the sound quality here sounds different. I'm actually on vacation, um, but I think it'll sound pretty good. Jared sent me a very fancy microphone that I'm not certain I know how to use. So we're all figuring that out together. I am currently... I haven't worked. This is the first work I've done in about eight days. I'm usually a workaholic. That's not like me in an undisclosed location somewhere deep in Southern Florida. Please don't try to find me. <sighs> okay, what do we have to do? Oh, thanks to everybody who's been listening. Uh, every, I, I saw a ton of positive feedback on the uh, Facebook group about the, the New Year's Eve episode, uh, or New Year's Day episode, rather, everybody's resolutions. It was really cool to see everybody throwing in their own. Also, I want to say, um, Noel, who's one of the mods of the Facebook group, is running a 30 Days of Kindness project right now where everybody in the beautiful anonymous Facebook group is teaming up and doing their own acts of kindness together. But hey, everybody, today we're all going to buy the drink behind us for the person in the Starbucks line. Hey, everybody, today we're all, we're all going to leave a book that we really loved in a public place with a note that someone should take. It's a really cool thing to see and uh, so cool that Noel spearheaded that one. And uh, join the Facebook group. If you haven't joined up, a lot of other nice people there talking about episodes and doing nice things. It's really cool. What else? What else to talk about? Oh, I have to apologize to both Sally, my mother, and Aunt Karen. Both of them over the holidays noted that I have been using the F word more than usual on the show lately. Sorry, Sally. Sorry, Aunt Karen. I will clean up my act. New Yorkers, I got my Union Hall shows in Brooklyn. The first three in January already sold out. Grab tickets for the other ones. I got one more in January with tickets left, and then the February and March shows are up there. New Yorkers, support me. I'm only doing local shows right now because I got to stay in town. Can't be on the road when the wife's expecting. That would be bad husbanding. Can't have that. The Love is Everywhere follow-up. So many people um, were blown away by that. I'm so happy we got to release that in the free feed. Um, thanks to everybody at Stitcher Premium for letting us do that. That episode, I think, is many people. It's Ron Paul's baby. It's love is everywhere. And uh, I wanted to make sure that one in particular came out from behind the paywall. So thanks to Stitcher Premium for letting that happen. And thank all you guys for listening to it. And uh, thank you, of course, to the caller who uh, really broke our hearts and blew our minds. This week's episode, very excited. This one has a real old school, beautiful, anonymous feel. I'm psyched to see what you think of this one. Uh, one of my favorite things about the show in the early days is we'd start talking about one thing. Sometimes it would turn into another. This one starts that way. It's simple. A job interview later that day. Then we start to learn about this caller's life in a way that's very organic and very unexpected. But man, does it put some new perspective on things. Sending a lot of love out to the caller. Thank you, caller, for opening up, for letting us in on this part of your life. Uh, I hope the job interview went great. I hope everybody out there enjoys the call. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello? Hi. Hello. Hi. 
How are you? How am I? I'm doing good. I'm on the tail end of a cold, so I'm scared I'm going to sneeze. That's exactly how I'm doing. How are Ooh. you? How are you? Um, I'm really nervous, not only for this call, but I have like one of my first interviews ever in about an hour. You're for, did you say interviews? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I have a Skype interview for a spring internship oh, in like okay. an hour. So a job interview. Yes. Not like you're getting interviewed by a journalist. A job interview. <laughs> oh no, yeah, it should have been more specific. That's okay. And you said it was it's one of your first job interviews ever? Yeah. Yeah, so here's where all the older listeners are going to roll their eyes. I'm 20. Uh-huh. So, um <laughs> yeah, um in my program in college, we do like alternating semesters between doing a co-op and school. Yeah. And so I'm interviewing to try to get a co-op position a co-op position and and i'm i'm not certain what that means and i want to know what field i want to know what field this position is in okay well co-op is basically i don't know what it stands for um it's just like a paid internship where like we learn from the people we're working with um and i'm going into design uh communication design to be specific communication design Okay. That's just a fancy way of saying graphic design. I don't know why we have to be all bougie about it. Graphic design. Okay. Well, how long until the interview goes down? It's at 2 o'clock, it's and a- it's 12.30 here. Yeah. I forgot that time zone exists. Yeah, okay. So we're looking at about an hour and a half. Okay, so that gives yeah. me an hour to pump you up, and then you get a half hour to put your game face on. I'll do my best. I like that you let out that deep breath. I like that. That's good. <laughs> I'll try not to like breathe into the phone too much. That's quite all right. You need to breathe to stay alive. I won't be mad at you. <laughs> I won't be mad. At you. Now, okay. is is this a position um, that you'd be particularly thrilled to have? Hello. Sorry, an alarm just went off. I'm supposed to mail my water bill. Okay, continue. The alarm to mail your water bill just went off. That's what that was. Yeah, I had to, if I don't mail it today, that the water will be shut off yeah, at my house. Uh, and so I had to set an alarm. Yeah, so keep breathing, <laughs> mail the water bill, and we're going to get you this job. That's Those are the three okay, mandates. I drunk today, if you didn't notice. I have noticed this. I'm picking up on this. You got to <laughs> let out a deep breath so that this potential employer senses some calm, com- some cool confidence that'll make them feel like a... They need to be clamoring to have you. Can't be. Uh, can't be too. Oh, over- we'll we can't be too over eager on this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, my whole, like I said, my whole class has been searching for jobs, and that started way back in October. And mm-hmm. so I'm one of like the last, probably like fifteen or twenty people still searching. So I am pretty desperate for a job at this point. Well, they can't know that. They can't sense that. Okay. That desperation. Okay, I turned down so many offers just to work with them. That's the you've idea. Been, you've been playing the field. You've been fielding offers. You're keeping certain things in consideration, and you'd love to feel out what they have to offer as well. Not, okay. I, not. I'm desperate, and I'm the last one to get a job. Please save my life. That's the last thing anybody needs to hear. <laughs> they want to know that you're an asset who can work under pressure. Now, what kind of uh, can I ask without you uh, airing out too much that might that might cross any lines? What type of industry is this potential internship in? Um, this one, it's like 
it's an architecture and interior design Ooh. company, but they have a branded environment like section, which is where I would come in with graphic design, and they're looking for someone with strong typography skills and wayfinding stuff. And you feel like that's you, strong typography skills. You feel like you fit the bill on this. Yeah, I've taken two typography courses because there's always more to learn. When I first uh, saw my syllabus, I was like, oh, you're taking typography? I was like, why do I need to take a whole semester worth of just learning about fonts? Yeah. But it turns out you have to take three semesters of it. And have you learned to love it? So, I have. That's good. I don't know. I love a good font. My friends and I are big nerds, and we'll go out to a restaurant, and then we'll have to be like, okay, what, like, what typeface is that? I have a friend who's like really good at picking them out. She'll be like, oh, that is Proxima Nova all the way. And I'm okay. like, okay, sure. This is great. This is great. So you're going to tell this employer, you're going to say, I've noticed that you're looking for someone with a passion for typography. And here's, you might want to write this down. You might want to write this down, right? You're going to say, okay. When I, uh, when I first had to take a typography class, I, I wondered how could we possibly spend a whole semester talking about fonts and now I can't get enough. And I actually have to take three semesters of typography and I'm thrilled because my friends and I, we go out half the time the waiter comes and talks to us. We're not even ready to order because we've been sitting there analyzing those fonts so hard. Mm-hmm. Nice, charming anecdote. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, what's your favorite font? Talk to me about your favorite font. Ooh. Right now, it's probably Futura. My portfolio's in a nice, clean Futura. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I also really love, oh, man, I think it's like Cooper BT Black, and that's the UDF font, the United Dairy Farmers, just because that one has a lot of nostalgia. You can't use it for anything because it's like such a bold display face, but... I don't know. I really like that one. Okay. And what are your least favorite fonts? Ooh. I mean, there's like the obvious Comic Sans. Like, you, no one can use that. But there's also Papyrus. Um, do you know what that looks like? I do because my friend Julio Torres wrote a bril- pretty brilliant sketch for Saturday Night Live about how weird it was that Avatar used Papyrus as the font for their movie. <laughs> Have you seen that sketch? Papyrus? I have it. I'll look it up. Oh, you'll love it. I'm writing a note down right now. For a font nerd like Um, you, you're going to love it. You can only use papyrus if it's a church bulletin or if you're, like, making candles. And those are the two uses for it. There you go. There you go. And now, did you say that when you said that this architecture firm has an environment wing, is this environmental work? Is this stuff that concerns the environment and the planet? Or is this some industry term I'm not familiar with? Okay, here's the thing. I also don't know a lot of the terms. I just kind of go along with it. Uh I'm pretty sure it's just, um, it's talking about like branded environments. So like if you're in a space. Okay. Branded. You like, you know, like what brand it's for. And just um, my job would be like making it as easy as possible for people to know like where they're going. So um, like, for example, I'm really getting in my interview, like responses here. for example, I did a project where I had to take make a time schedule for like a ferry boat and you want people to be able to go up to it and like find which boat they're looking for and find like the time like as quickly as possible. And so that uses a lot of like typography and composition. And so I think that's what I'd be doing at this place. 
but not for uh-huh. fairies. Uh-huh. And this is all for their branded content wing. Okay. For their branded I environments. Think so. so here's a couple things you're going to say. Here's a co- you got the pen and pencil? You got okay. the pen and paper ready? Okay. Got it. A nice, sweet, simple. I don't see any reason why branded content can't be cool. You got to say that. And then here's what you say as a follow-up. You go, the key is to make people feel like they're not being hit over the head with ads. The key is to make people feel like this is a brand that's getting on board with something they are already into and championing it. And the visual layout of that exact conversation between the brand and the consumer is what make make it feel casual and cool instead of like a forced advertisement. Yeah. That was a good sentence. Oh, believe me, I've said that a few times. To some... Between brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a conversation between the brand and the consumer. Nice. I'm getting some really good notes here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a conversation between the brand and the consumer. And I think that the visual layout of how these things go can facilitate that conversation in a positive and productive way. Mm. Really great words. Thank you so much. Positive and productive really goes a long way in these things. And then what you're going to say to you go, uh, you know, in an ideal world, a consumer can actually walk away from a branded experience feeling like it was just as valid an experience as they would have had without the branding at all. There's no need that it needs to feel. Here's what you say. The last thing you want is for a consumer to walk into an environment and have it have the same feeling as a, an unwanted spam email showing up in your inbox. You want them to feel like they had the experience that they signed up to have and that it was actually enhanced by what the brand brought to the table. Use that phrase a lot. Bring What I can bring to the table, what they bring to the table. A lot of people like when you bring things to tables, is my thing. Because I tell you, I've had a lot of, between the TV and the podcasting, a lot of uh, brand conversations. One, mm-hmm. one of the funniest conversations of my entire life involved branded content. I don't know if you'd like to hear about it or if we need to focus up on getting you this gig. No, no, I'd love to hear about it. So I won't say which television network I worked with in this particular one because I've worked with a few and I feel like by not naming the particular television network that it might keep me off the hook for feeling too guilty. But <laughs> I was once working on a TV show. You might say that I was at the helm of it. But I'll keep it vague beyond that. And we had a meeting with a network's branded content department. And uh, I actually was into it. I always wanted the idea with my show of like, if we do branded stuff, let's be bold-faced about it and have it feel like one of those 50s variety shows where the host would just walk over and start like actually using the stuff on camera. I always thought that could be funny and cool. Nobody ever bought on that. But we meet with this branded guy. And he was really unprepared for this meeting. And we'd been given presentations from like all these different departments. Here's what the uh, promo department's going to be doing for you. Here's all the back channel stuff that this department's going to be doing for you. And these people were stepping up and really trying to charm me and, uh, and my producer who was with me to make them feel like they were putting in the workforce. And then it gets up to the branded thing. And the guy comes in late. And you could see immediately everybody was mad at this guy because first thing he does, he's like, we should do some branded stuff. I don't know, like uh, – uh, car companies, any car companies, and we we're Ooh. all like, Ooh. "Why don't you tell us?" And then the people are like, "Do you have relationships <laughs> brewing with car companies?" He's like, "Not really, but we should look into that." And they're like, "Yeah, we should." And then he starts bringing, "You guys have any other branded stuff?" And we're like, "Yeah, we had one branded thing last last uh, season. We should follow up with them and see if we can do another one." 
It's like, yeah, you think? I think we all can agree that's a starting point. And then finally he goes, here's where it gets good. He goes, you know, I do have a thing bubbling with uh, Trident. And I turn to my producer. I go, oh, Trident, Trident gum. That's pretty, uh, that would be pretty good. Trident gum. We can do some episode where everybody's chewing gum or, you know, we can integrate it right into the show. Who can chew the most gum without choking to death? Classic Chris Gathered show style idea. He goes, no, no, no. It's not a Trident gum. It's the Trident Fish Company. <laughs> he looks me in the eye. He says, it's the Trident Fish Company. And everyone in the room, you could feel everyone in the room just like simultaneously thinking like, what the fuck is going on, man? And he goes, yeah, there's this uh, company. I've been talking a lot with them. They're called the Trident Fish Company. And they've got this initiative. They want to get people to stop eating so much cod and start eating more pollock. Pollock's another type of fish. It has very similar nutritional qualities to cod. And every, cod's got a stranglehold on the market. They want pollock to break through. And you could feel his superiors in the room. You like you saw them like, like the way their eyes changed while looking at this man was like, oh, he's going to get yelled at and maybe fired for this. I don't know if that did happen. I hope not. I'm, I'm not looking to get as anybody fired. As soon as the words fish company came out of his oh mouth, my God. they all thought he you have, is fired. You have he no idea. Like at least demoted at, or at least shamed and yelled at publicly in front of everyone. And uh, I just looked straight at him and I was like, yeah, I'm into it. And everybody in the room looked at me. I was like, <laughs> close that account. I want the Trident Fish Company to be the main sponsor of the Chris Gethard Show. Please get oh me. My gosh. Please get me the Pollock versus Cod initiative branded content within the show please and it didn't happen and i'm still so mad about it and i'm glad my show is canceled mm. so i can now tell some of these uh behind the scenes stories but jesus christ that made me laugh so hard not the oh gum gosh. the fish trident fish company <laughs> all right yeah all right anyway back to you i got my funny story in. okay i have a question for you yeah 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 what okay so when people say, what are your weaknesses? What is one thing you say? Ooh, what is one thing I say? And Me personally? Yeah, and not one of those like cheesy answers where it's like, I'd say my weakness is caring too much. You have to right, like, yeah. do a real weakness. Sometimes I work too hard. There's that. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, if I had to list my weaknesses, luckily I'm in an industry where I've carved out my own corner of the world where I, I'm a self-starter, yeah. so that's nice. But if I was in an environment, I mean, I'd have to be like, I have the emotional stability of a deer who just heard a gunshot. Maybe that's a weakness, is that I'm 35 Ooh. seconds from having a panic attack at any given point in any given day. Maybe that's a weakness. That would, they would shake my hand and say, thank you so much for coming in. We'll, be in. we'll call you. But yeah, if I was listing my real weaknesses, um, I have a constant, um, constant struggle to have anything resembling a healthy self-esteem. How about that? I wouldn't bring any of these up if I was you, but those are my weaknesses. How about you? Let's go yeah, through. And, getting really deep. And if you had to tell me what are some of your weaknesses, and I'm, I'm going to treat it like an okay. interviewer here. I'm going to respond as an interviewer might yeah. with some head games. Okay. So I, like, I got this idea for my sister to have a notes app in my a note pulled up in my phone of like my weaknesses. So when I think of one, so far it only has like a few, which isn't me being cocky. It's just I don't spend much time thinking about it. Yeah. Um, one of my weaknesses is I cannot do like public speaking on the fly. I love writing. I can, I can do some great writing, but if a teacher is like, Hey, um, 
go stand up and like critique this person's work, I seriously start freaking out. I have to like have time to prepare. And so that's a big one for me. Yeah. And you know what I would do? Here's what I would do if I were you. Start with the thing about I tend to over-prepare. If you put me in a situation yeah. where I have to improvise on the fly, sometimes I get a little overwhelmed because I really like breaking down all mm-hmm. the information in a clear way and following the game plan. But I do admit that it creates an Achilles heel where if I'm a, where if I got to ad lib in front of people, sometimes that's a bit dicey. But because of that, yeah. well, this, I tend to pour myself yeah. heart and soul into that preparation. And you follow up with that. Mm-hmm. Boom, I'm going to get you this weakness, gig. Like, this weakness came about because one day in class, my professor did the thing where he was like, okay, go up and critique this person's work next to yours. And I was like, oh, shoot, let me Ooh. try to use words that don't make me sound dumb. Because you're not supposed to go up and say, I like this. Like, that's a phrase that's like, oh, no, that's not okay. You have to be like, it works well because of this. And so I was up there just saying all these words that immediately after I seriously said out loud, why did I use that word? And all the people in my class were like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, she's going crazy. And then as soon as I, as soon as I was done, he goes, he looks at mine, he goes, so tell me why hers is better than yours. Ooh. And I was like, oh, uh, um, she used like these sketchy lines better than I did. And he was like, okay. And then he shook my hand, which was just like so bizarre because he didn't do it for anyone else. And then I sat down and I was so stressed out. I was not upset in the slightest that he said mine was bad. I was not. I was so stressed out that I started crying. And then he like kept trying to talk to me and it was like, Oh, are you okay? Like, did I upset you? I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm just like really stressed out from presenting. He was like, no, because yours is fine. And I was like, please stop talking to me. I'm just very anxiety filled at this moment. And so I just like sat there laughing while crying, which is like such a weird experience. Oh, I've had it so laughing while crying. I would say is my sweet spot as a human being and an entertainer. Not crying because you're laughing so hard. Like, you know what I mean. Yeah, crying and laughing at the same time because your head becomes a mix that creates some new emotion that doesn't have a word for it. That life hasn't come up with a word yet. Um, I wouldn't necessarily tell the employer the part where you yelled at the professor, please stop talking to me. I would leave that part out. (laughs) You want to go through... You want to go through a, uh, we got 41 minutes left. You want to go through a little mini uh, dry run of this interview? Would that help? Oh God. Sure. We'll see what happens. Okay. And you want one, you want one piece of advice that I've learned, of advice I've learned from doing Beautiful Anonymous? Okay. Yes. Because you were saying people are going to roll their eyes at the fact that you're 20. I think some people will. I think that's on them, not you. I think that's ignorance. I'm on record saying, I think people of my generation and above have a very weird chip on their shoulder about people of your generation. And the younger generation always winds up being correct. And I think that we're underestimating you guys and it's going to bite us in the ass in many ways. We have to stop underestimating young people. I think I'm right on the cusp between the two generations. It depends on who's getting the most flack at the time. If everyone's like, we hate Gen Z, then I'm like, oh man, I'm a millennial. And if they're like, we hate millennials, then I'm like, I guess I'm a Gen Zer right now. Wow. I mean, I'm so old that this is the first time I've heard of Gen Z. That's how. Really? Well, I'm an Xennial. Yeah, is that? I'm an Xennial. I'm right oh, on the wow. edge of Generation X and Millennials. Oh, damn. Sorry. So are we just skipping Generation Y? We're just going right to Z? Um, I think so. Okay. I, I, I learned about like demographics and 
my user center design class. Mm-hmm. And I do not remember anything about a generation Y. Okay. Now I'm going to tell you, here's one thing I have learned from Beautiful Anonymous is that older people have one serious problem with your generation, which is the frequency with which you say the word like, and you might want to watch that yep. in the interview because you say the word like very often. And uh, I know that it is it. it is hilarious to see in our comment section. Anytime there's someone under the age of 29, you'll see at least three comments. They're like, how come these kids say like so much? So you might want to uh, keep an eye on that. They can just fuck straight off because Woo. I'm doing my best here. Woo, everybody fuck straight off. You hear that comments sections on the internet? <laughs> fuck off. Sorry, Sally. Sorry, I Sally. guarantee that if this somehow gets like published, I will not listen to it because I will be cringing at the sound of my voice Uh-oh. so hard. And I will not look at any comments. Yeah, that's how I am too. When we do the beautiful follow-ups, Jared has to send me notes because I can't get through an episode because I hate my voice. And when I appear on television, I cannot watch it because it sends me into a tailspin spin of depression because I, com- I become convinced that I am a... Uh, a monster man. Anyway, let's do this. Uh, let's let's go ahead and do this dry run of an interview. How's this sound? Okay. Oh, is he? Go- is it going to be a funny, fake version of an interview, or is he going to start yelling at her? What's What's this interview going to be? You have to stay tuned to find out. In the meantime, we got ads. Check them out. Use the promo codes. We'll be right back. You guys remember the? Uh, New Year's Eve episode of Beautiful Anonymous, Dave Holmes called in. Great guy. It was great to catch up with him again. Have a lot of fondness for Dave Holmes. Here to tell you about a podcast he co-hosts. It's 2019, a brand new year, fresh start. How about you make listening to Homophilia one of your New Year's resolutions? Homophilia is a queer comedy party where hosts Dave Holmes and Matt McConkie grill LGBTQ celebrities on what they're loving and who they're loving. They have in-depth, hilarious conversations about everything from their pop culture obsessions to deep talks about their guests' personal experiences. They had insanely amazing guests in combos last year, like Jesse Tyler Ferguson telling us a story about shoplifting gay porn. Matt Rogers of Las Culturistas talking about losing his virginity to the manager of a clam bar. Rhea Butcher breaking down gender fluidity. Karamo Brown from Queer Eye talking about marriage and then proposing to his boyfriend weeks later. Sex and love advice guru Dan Savage breaking down being monogamish. Okay, it's a good show. It's a funny show. And Dave Holmes, I've known him for many years. Really great guy. Check out Homophilia now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again to all of our advertisers. Now let's get back to the phone call. Anyway, let's do this. Uh, let's let's go ahead and do this dry run of an interview. How's this sound? Okay. Okay. So you okay? So it's on Skype. So Skype comes up. Hi, it's so mu- so nice to meet you. Thanks for uh, taking some time out of your day. Oh yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much for reaching out to me. I'd love to learn more about your company, you know, and see what you're all about. Okay, okay, we're gonna have to clean that out, but we'll fix it later. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, want to tell me a little bit about yourself? You're in school right now. What's your uh, what's your plan beyond it? You're, when when you think of five years from now, where would you like to be? That might help me determine if we can uh, help get you there. Yeah, uh, five years from now, I will just be graduating from my program because it is a five-year program and I'm just starting my second year. I hope, um, since I have so many co-ops, which you know about because you know about our program so well, I would love Mm -hmm. the opportunity to travel around the country, go to different places. And so I really want to use this first co-op 
to get my foot in the door with different companies and especially yours. That would be a good thing to say. <laughs> oh, don't talk about other companies. Yeah, let's interview. not bring um, up the competitors. Yeah. I just, put a game face And on. I would really like to learn about your little corner of design and figure, about, figure out what you're about. And I would love to learn from you guys because I know you've been in this field for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, if you had to tell me, just in a couple short sentences, what you think makes you a good designer, what would you say? I would say one thing that makes me a great designer, oh, not great, good. Um, say great. Is that I am a very quick learner and I'm very passionate about my source material. Recently, oh, this is more than a few sentences. Recently, I did a project where I had to make a poster series about um, different occasions in history where youths took a stand against um, the adults. And I wrote so many narratives and I did a lot of short stories, um, kind of figuring out who these youths were. And so by the time I actually sat down to design, I felt like I really had a strong understanding of who they were and what message I was trying to convey about them. I love that. I love looking at the stories behind the design to feel the design itself. That's, that's a lot of what we focus on here as well. Maybe this will be a good match. But before I decide that, we tend to work pretty collaboratively here at this company. Do you feel, you know, a lot, a lot of designers, I think, historically like to kind of go off and do their own thing. Do you feel that you work better as an individual or in, or in a group environment? I definitely think I can benefit from a little bit of both. I, in my classroom environment, I have... I work with about 20 close peers, and of course, we're working on our own individual designs, but we always come together to critique and just like work towards a goal of making everyone better. So I think through that, I've really learned how to work with other people and kind of bounce ideas off of each other and see where they lead. Mm. Good answer. Good answer. And it's a, you brought up critique. How do you handle being critiqued in those environments? Yeah, I think I... I think I uh, handle being critiqued pretty well. Uh, you just you don't take it personally. You just think that the person is trying to make you better, and especially in a work environment, making sure that the client would be happy. And I take those notes and I ask questions and think of try to think of ways that we can both be happy Ooh. with that critique. That's great. So you try to learn, you try to grow. How do you stay abreast of the latest design trends? I'm sorry, could you repeat the question? How do you stay abreast of the latest design trends? Trends. Hmm. I would say that you have to stay up with design trends. You have to be on social media, but you can't let social media affect your design too much. Uh, I have a professor who said she doesn't want us looking at Pinterest at all during a project because it's so easy to let those designs deep into the back of your mind and make their way into yours without even realizing it. So I think a healthy dose of the media and what's out there is good, but you really have to focus on yourself and try to see what message you're trying to convey. I love that answer. So it sounds to me like you're saying you, uh, while you stay aware of the trends that are developing in your field, you're not looking to mimic the trends. You're looking to set the trends. Wait, hold on. I have another alarm. Set that, write that down. Set the trends thing. Okay, pay your water bill some other time. I'm giving you gold here. While I'm that one is done. This alarm was so I wouldn't oversleep and miss my interview. Okay, well, we're on top of that. We're on top of that. I like that. Write that thing down. 
I, I appreciate the trends. I know that it's my job to be aware of them, but I'm not looking to follow trends. I'm looking to set trends. I want people following my me where I set the bar. Here, here's another thing. Write this down too. Here's another thing that every interviewer wants to hear. Okay, ready? Right from the start. Right when it's why do you think you'd be good for us? Like, I'm okay, so I'm right. uh, here. You write this down. I'm so excited to put my head down and do the hard work. Boom, mm. boom. So, you know, I've been in a position where I've had to interview people for positions. Do you know this? And a number of job interviews where I've been the person on the other side of the line from where you are. Here, oh, here's a, I just finished writing. Here's another thing. Here's another thing you're going to write down. Okay. You write this down. You're going to say, I'm so excited to see what I can learn from everybody who works at your company. And I'm so excited to see how what I bring to the table fits in there. You say that, you can get this gig. Your old buddy Gether's going to get you this. They're going to ask who my biggest influence is. I'm going to say... Chris Gethard. You know the comedian Chris Gethard? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And they'll say, no, we met a designer. And I said, I'll be like, no, 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 Chris Gethard is my biggest influence. Thank you so much. And they'll say, why is that? And you'll say, well, he's got a, uh, he's got a real dedication in his comedy towards uh, compassion and listening. And I think that when I'm sitting down to do design, I want it to be as open and as much of an experience for the consumer as his phone call based podcast is anyway. All right. That's actually one of the big like talking points. I think about this interview is when they first called me to schedule it. The receptionist told me a lot about what they're looking for. And they were talking about like the users. And I was like, well, let me tell you, I just did a user centered design class. That's all Mm -hmm. about the user. Mm -hmm. And also one of my, like, like I said, one of my talking points is that, um, my dad is a quadriplegic, and so I've been I've grown up like thinking about the user and oh, thinking wow. about accessibility and just like making sure everyone can use your product rather than just the prime user. That's really incredible. That's a uh, yeah. That's something I in in what has thus far in our first half hour been a very I think casual and fun episode that's a bomb to draw. I and mean, I think that is such a unique perspective of my father is in this situation where we constantly have to experience things in a way where you have to analyze mm-hmm. in what ways they're inviting people to participate. So I have a particular mindset towards that. That's a Yeah. That's a great yeah, answer. Yeah, companies even when you tell them that like hey, I like just last week. Uh my dad has been um, in a wheelchair since I was two years old, him and my mom were in a car accident. Um, so I've lived with it or, I mean, that's, that's making it about myself. Like my family has been in this situation for 18 years now. And so we're just used to it. But like just last week I called ahead at a restaurant and I said, Hey, I'm just calling ahead before we drive out there to make sure you guys are handicapped accessible. Like make sure there's no steps going into the restaurant, all that stuff. And they're like, Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Come on out. I get there and I walked up ahead of my parents to, just to like double check. And they had a revolving door and then like a side door. And so I was like, oh, like, or what, like, can we use the side door to like get in? And they were like, oh yeah, this door is accessible. But then when I opened that door, there was a step going up from the sidewalk. And I said, oh no, this door has a step going in. Do you have any other ones? And they were like, no, it's like, no, there's no step here. And I was like, 
Yeah, 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 there is. Like, there is a step up to this little platform, and then that platform walked in. I don't know if you're picturing this well. I'm bad at describing. No, of course. But of course. I was like... Don't say you're bad at describing because that means like you're not much of a visual a visual thinker and you don't want them to know that. Okay. Anyway, continue because this story is very gripping. This story is very gripping. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's just like a little casual like Tuesday night thing, and I was like, no, there's there's clearly a step right there. Like my dad cannot get up the step, and then the the manager came over and I was explaining to him. He's like, oh no no, like we can lift him up. I'm thinking, no, we can't. Like, you haven't seen. It's like a big power wheelchair. My dad's a big guy. Like, I know we cannot lift him up. And they're like, they're like, oh, well, we have this side door. And that one still had a step. It was like, it was probably a couple inches. So not as bad. But like when my dad came down it, it was like a sight to be seen because like my mom was like holding on to him to make sure he didn't fly out of his chair. But like people just don't think about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's an incredible story. And I got to say, I got okay. to tell you something. I'm certainly not saying uh, use any of your family situation or, your, or your, your, you know, any pain. But the way you just laid that out to me and said, I think that's something that an interviewer would be blown away by. The idea of I have this unique perspective where I always have to consider different people's experiences because I have a family situation where that happens every day. And that mm-hmm. m- means that I want to make my work something that is very, really very clear as far as what people are going to get out of it. I think that's uh, incredible. Wow. 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 Yeah, there's, just, there's a lot of little things people don't think about. Um, one thing that comes to mind is... Um, on sidewalks, you have to have an area that like dips down, so there's no like step down from the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes we'll walk for like a block or two before we can find a place where my dad can cross the street. So I think that's one thing that I, I can contribute really well to my designs is like I try to consider so many different aspects, especially vision, like vision impairment, and also like physical physical bodies. It, like it's a if a design is like way up in the air, it's like someone like my dad who is sitting in a chair won't be able to read it as well as someone who's standing upright. Yeah. So tied it back into design. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's an incredible story. That is an incredible story, and it does give you a unique perspective, and it makes me want to stop fucking around and pretending we're doing a job interview because that conversation deserves better than that. I mean, we can go into it if you want. Well, I don't want to. I also, if you legit need to practice this uh, job interview or have me distract you from it so you can uh, go into it in a chill mindset, we can do that. It's really up to you, but it's pretty fascinating. Um, no, we can we can leave behind the job interview stuff. <laughs> well, one thing i i had um I had one interview before this, which was like months ago, and it was at like a job like event. So there's so many different people and I was talking so much that day and I went out to this employer and we had a scheduled interview and he was like, okay, tell me about yourself. And I did the whole little design spiel, but then I was also like, okay, another thing about me is that I'm the youngest in my family. I have two older sisters and I could never get a whole sentence in when I was younger. I always got interrupted, but 
as I've grown up and I've stopped being inter- interrupted, my stories just don't end. I just talk <laughs> so much. And you, so I was like, you, you tell so stories like someone, like, yeah, I get it. I just interrupted you. In a story about you being interrupted, I interrupt you. I'm so sorry. It's okay. I'm just so I like went into that interview and I was like, okay, so like yeah, just so you know, I talk a lot. And the interviewer was like, oh no, me too. And so I was like, thank God. <laughs> Here's the main piece of advice I'll give you as someone who's had to hire people for jobs, and this goes for anybody: is you wanna. I think a lot of times our instinct is to explain to people why we fit into what they do, and that is necessary. But the thing that makes you shine is when you explain to them how you offer something that they don't already have, Mm. you know? Yeah. Here's the perspective I have that you probably don't already. And here's why that's a valuable thing to your company. I can tell you, I don't think he would mind me saying it because he's uh, become one of my best friends, but we hired a writer for the Chris Gethard show um, named Carmen Christopher. And he's one of my great friends. He's so funny. And uh, he gave us a writing packet that was like, the ideas were good. Don't get me wrong. They were good. But he put a cover on a cover letter on it that was totally insane. That made me laugh out loud. And I hired him because the cover letter was so funny. And it had nothing to do with the actual <laughs> ideas we were asking for. But I was like, man, this guy just has a weird brain that would even think to do this. And I don't have that in my writer's yeah. room already. His ideas are right in the mix of like they're good ideas that we could use. But there's a bunch of packets that have good ideas we can use. But he submitted this insane cover letter where the fonts were in four different colors and he said he was going to fight the rest of our writers. And I was like, this is just insane and funny and I need this in my room. I don't have this already. So keep that in mind. That's the main thing I would say to you. Oh, that's what you do? Here's why I think I fit right into it. Also, I have these Mm -hmm. other perspectives that maybe you don't have yet. Maybe that would be valuable for you to have around as well. Here's what I can get from you and I think you can get some things from me. I think that that's the that's the basis of what I always wanted to figure out. Not you do this and I think I could help with that. Well, we're already doing that. You do this mm-hmm. and here's what I bring to the table that you might not have yet. That's when I would hire somebody. Yeah, going into this I uh told my sisters I was like, um, I had this interview on Tuesday or Monday, shit. Um, <laughs> give me your advice because they're older than me and they have their jobs and they're like, okay, yeah, like do all this research about the company, like do all this stuff, X, Y, and Z. I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. And I will do it. But also I just need to, I just need to talk to people. Like, I feel like if someone's just looking at my portfolio, they might think like, oh, this person's okay. But like, if you talk to me in person and I can explain my designs and all the little intricacies in there, then I think that's when I can sell myself. Yeah. And I think, uh, tell them all the things that make you unique because that's the type of thing that somebody will go, this is a, this is a person we need to have around because they think in a way that I haven't heard before. And that diversity of thought mm-hmm might give us an advantage that we don't already have. That's what I would say based on how I hired people. Now, can I ask you one question that comes to mind about your dad? If that's okay. And if I'm forcing it, please let me know. Here's something I want. Like I said, I talk a lot. So I'm sure I can come up with something. Here's one thing that I wonder is like, I know that in, uh, in, in, in my family, which I think probably... I would say maybe fits the traditional mold in the, in this sense that uh, I know that my dad was kind of the enforcer when we were in our teenage years and being rebellious and, and being, uh, you know, just like shitty teens who would push envelopes and yeah, see what yeah. we could get away with. 
how's your relationship with that, with like a, a parent, a parent who's a quadriplegic in terms of that, in terms of their ability to maintain authority over you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it has a lot to deal with. We, my sisters and I had so much respect for our parents growing up because um, my sister and I, sisters and I were two, four, and six at the time of the accident. Uh-huh. And so, like, like I said, we really grew up with it. We saw how much my mom was caring for my dad, and we saw how much my dad was struggling as well. Um, and so my sisters and I actually talked about my oldest one. She went through, like, the shitty teen years. But my uh, myself and my other sister, we never did, which is, like, a subtle brag. We, I, my mom says we were pretty good teens, so we didn't have to deal with a lot of the discipline. But yeah, it's definitely. Let me take a step back and see if I'm answering the question. Um, yeah, I think if with that respect, we learned to like let my dad be a discipline disciplinarian, um, because it's, sometimes it's easy just like to roll our eyes and walk away, but you have to just like stand there and be like, no, I, I'm hearing what you're saying and I'm sorry for being a shitty kid. Right. So you have to just, you have to just opt into a, a certain amount of respect for the authority. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. There's um one thing like my dad, since he's a quadriplegic, um, he can't use his hands. I don't know how much you know about uh, that. But so he would always, like, he went to college. And so he would say, he would be working on homework and say, hey, come turn the page for me. And we'd be like, okay. But then there's always, like, the, oh, you go turn it. Like, someone go help dad. I just sat down. And you really have to, like, take yourself out of the mode of, like, thinking about yourself and just be like, no, he can't turn this page on his own. Like, we have to help him or else, like, He's just stuck sitting here doing nothing. So you really have to like not be selfish as a kid. Yeah. What a, what a, uh, what a, uh, to, to have three young daughters and to have everything, mm-hmm. everything about your life just change in a moment that your parents must be super strong people, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, yeah, they're pretty cool. <laughs> um, they give speeches <laughs> at the local driving schools to be like, Hey kids, don't be a piece of shit. And like what you do matters. Um, because like they were hit by two teenagers Oof. going like 30 over the speed limit and just like shit like that. So it was just like a big, like learning thing. Um, but also my mom came from a family of 14, you know, big Catholic family. So we have such a great support system. Wow. So everybody stepped up. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, um, my, so we live in Ohio at the time of my parents' accident. They lived in Michigan. Um, but the best like rehab facility for quadriplegics is in Colorado. So for a couple months, my family moved out there. But as a young little two-year-old, I was a lot to handle for my mom. So I lived with one of my aunts for a couple months. While they were in Colorado, yeah. Wow. And did uh did those did those teens who caused this did they go to jail or anything like that? Um, one. Oh, it's really hard. One had his when he was the passenger was sitting in. It was like a it was an August, so warm summer day. He had his head out of the window. 
Uh-oh. So she was decapitated on site. Whoa. And then the other one um, is uh, permanently, like, brain injured. So he's also in a wheelchair. But um, he's, yeah, so they didn't go to jail, but they, you know, they had their consequences. Right. I don't know. It's right, really, right. it's really horrible from every aspect. Yeah, there's nothing good about that story, huh? Nothing good about it. No, yeah. My mom actually reached out to, I think, the mother of the one who's brain injured. And, like, just, like, we'll have conversations with her every couple years. Nothing crazy. Just, like, hey, I'm praying for you and your family. Just, like, we have completely forgiven you. This is, like, there's so many aspects. You know, my parents being as religious as they are, they're like, oh, so many blessings have come from this. And, like, X, Y, Z, all that stuff. So, my mom will reach out every once in a while to those families. Yeah. How did your, uh, I would, I would have to imagine there, there must be some strain on, on paying the, paying the actual bills when something like that happens. Okay. So I don't, I'm, I'm not great at knowing all this information, but I think because Michigan is like a no fault state with, when it comes to like car accidents, I think. So basically, um, yeah, I think they, my parents weren't at fault, but I think like insurance covered like so much. And yeah, my, yeah, it's just, I think it's all through insurance. I don't know how everything happens, but I'm living, I have a house or my parents have a house I live in, but like, you know, <laughs> we're fine. <laughs> and does, did your mom, does your mom work full time? Uh, my mom. Okay. So with my dad being a quadriplegic, he requires um, like 24 seven care. Um, and, but my parents don't like, we don't want a nurse in our house, like all the hours of the day. So we'll have a nurse who comes in from 11 PM to 7 AM, the night shift nurse. And then we have one who works from seven to three. And then my mom takes like the, the evening shift. So tech, so like, in my eyes, she's a stay-at-home mom, but technically she's working through, like, this nursing agency. So she works, like, yeah, basically a full, full-time full job. Wow. And, like, we've had so many problems in the past with, like, nurses um, calling off at the last minute. And so my mom will have to, like, pick up more shifts. So stuff like that. So she technically has been trained and get, and is compensated as a nurse through the company that is contracted to do that? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um. Yeah, she's not like trained or anything. Like, she doesn't have any. My mom didn't go to college or anything, but it's more like home care aid, like that type of thing. Wow. So that's my mom. <laughs> wow. That's uh, that's one hell of a story. <laughs> that is one hell of a story. You yeah. can. It is rare at this point in doing this show that I get stopped in my tracks. But I thought we were just talking about a job interview for a spring internship. And you have managed you have managed to uh throw me a loop in a way that has me blown away. Yeah, it's like I'm really casual about it cuz like I said I've grown up with it my whole life. Um in school, like in all our religion classes they'd be like, "What's one thing you're grateful for?" or What's something that seems negative, but you can put it in a positive light? So I've been talking about this forever, and so it's no big deal to me. But I can see how it might be a little bit of a shock. Well, let me to to 
to loop this back around, I will say something very heartfelt and honest, which is that, uh, at least in my experience, and granted, I work in an industry where, by definition, you just got to go and figure it out for yourself and and prove that you can do mm-hmm. it. But I think um, I've gotten blustery on the show before about like, oh, school is for the birds, and that's just all rooted in my own bad experiences. Um, but I will say, yeah. I think, I think in any industry, I would have to imagine, down to engineering where everything you do have to have an immense amount of technical knowledge and book smarts and training. I still think there's something said for any, any job in the world. The one thing that they can't ever teach you is how to be a real human being in the world and deal with real life. And uh, I got to say that you've dealt with more real life than probably anyone else if you're, I would have to imagine anybody else going on these interviews. And uh, I think anybody worth their salt who's interviewing you is going to sense that and would be really lucky to have you. Because the fact that you're like, yep, no, I'm used to it. My family takes care of each other. It's a thing we've dealt with. Just shows that um, you have a great head on your shoulders and that you were really... Uh, really raised right in the face of some stuff that by anyone's definition is is really tough. And I think anybody would be lucky to have you. And I hope that you go into it with that confidence. Thank you. If my mom heard that, she would be like, <laughs> she'd be so like grinning ear to ear and be like, yeah, see, I'm a pretty good mom. She, she likes to brag like that. I'm sure she, she has to. For someone like you to say, yeah, I was never a shitty teen and I learned, I knew that I just had to choose to respect my dad and we didn't go through that phase. Right there, you were really raised right. And that's the one thing. I really believe it's true. You cannot teach real life. You just have to live it and yeah. you just have to take from it and you just have to decide how you're going to uh, deal with it and move forward. And you see, you see that a lot. You see people... Right, we've all seen examples of someone who is just just able to sit down and read a book and have it memorized, and but they they don't they never figure out how to tie their own shoes. Well, what good does that give anybody? Mm-hmm. You know, or you see somebody yeah. who has all the advantages in life. Right, that's the stereotype too. You get that thing of oh, you're born into wealth and you never had to lift a finger, but now you don't know how to lift a finger. So what does that get anybody? Yeah, yeah. And uh, you certainly don't fit into any of those categories. You're someone who. And think about what that's taught you as far as how to respect people and how to be in environments where I would have to imagine that there's not too many people you're going to meet with where um, you're not going to be able to sit down and have a conversation where that's going to throw you because you've been in all sorts of situations your whole life that other people might feel um, taken aback by and Mm -hmm. you've learned how to handle all of those with, with, giving people the respect that they deserve and understanding that they deserve and dignity that they deserve. What an amazing set of qualities. And uh, again, yeah, your mom, I think, deserves to have that grin because it sounds like she has worked her ass off and done a good job. Yeah, it's so fun coming home because I go to school about three hours away. Um, So I'm home for like winter break. And my mom, like, it's one of those cheesy, cheesy things where I'm like, my mom's my best friend, but, like, it's true. Um, and <laughs> so it's so fun coming home because my mom and I are just, like, constantly singing around the house. And my mom's like, I'm so glad to have you because 
your dad. Like, your dad's getting so annoyed with me. Like, I finally have someone to sing with. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great that you and your mom can give that to each other. And I'm sure that that, uh, that gives, I'm sure that that is so genuine from her. And how does it work? How does mm-hmm. uh, your relationship with your dad, because I would imagine, you say, like you said, when you go out, he has uh, like a power wheelchair when he's when he's home. I would imagine. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, so do you? Do you? I don't want to be again. I don't want to. I don't. If anything's like, yeah, that's my story, my family story. But do you go and sit with him and fill him in, and you guys just have conversations? Like, how do you? What's the? Uh, what's the nature? Like, I guess that's the basic question. Like, what's like the nature of our relationship? Yeah, and how does it unfold? If that's not too callous a question, just like how does that relationship unfold? No, it's okay. Um, yeah, growing up is definitely I like I said I'm so close with my mom, and so sometimes my dad would um, he would get really self conscious because I'm in a family with three girls, and so he would always worry he would worry to my mom that like the girls love you more, which is like a really tough like parenting thing. Like, oh man, like how are you even deal with that? And my mom, my mom always approaches it with like, no, it's just they're girls. I'm their mother. Like it's a thing. But um, yeah, it's definitely my relationship with my dad is it's pretty good. I have to. My dad's not as talkative as like myself or my mom is. But if I, I'll call him like once or twice a week, and we'll just like, you know, we'll just chit chat. We'll try to find things to talk about, and it's just like again, making the effort to reach out to someone. And it's just, um, I'm really close to my dad because of little things uh, we do together. We'll try, when, anytime I come home, we'll try to go out to a lunch together or stuff like that. And my dad always prides himself on being like the generous parent. Like if we need anything, he'll be like, oh, like I'm going to take you shopping rather than your mom because your mom's stingy. And so my dad will be like, okay, do you want to get to like the expensive granola bars in the store? Like let's get the expensive ones. Um, So there's like little things like that. That's cool. That's cool. And a sensitive question, a sensitive question, if I may. Okay. There's a lot of traditional there's a lot of traditional moments in the relationship between a parent and child and dads and daughters. I'm thinking of things like, uh, you know, like a sweet 16 party where you have a dance or, uh, I don't know if your older sisters are, are, are married, but bringing someone down the aisle, I hate to bring it up cause it's sad, but I just wonder if your family has like accounted for your own versions of that or what the conversations surrounding things like that are. Yeah. Um, so I actually have my two sisters I've been talking about are not married, but I actually have like half siblings who are older, who are married. I just, it's hard to like, when someone's like, how many siblings do you have? You're like, I either have two or five. Like it's a whole thing. What, whatever. Um, when one of my older sisters got married, I believe my dad walked her down the aisle. They had to like, Jimmy up this little like shield to put on the side of his chair to make sure that like it didn't catch her dress when they were walking down the aisle. But uh, so like stuff like that. And um, we're definitely figuring out and because we want to make sure we can include our dad in these occasions. Um, growing up, uh, we had father daughter dances 
uh, like at my school. And so at that point, we were still young enough to like sit in my dad's lap. And so we would do that and he would spin us around and dance with us that way. So it was sweet. Um, I'm trying to think. I had something else. Can't remember it. Hold on. I'll figure it out. I don't know. So we definitely, we definitely make sure that we're taking account of our dad. Um, when I was touring houses to live in, like down at school, um, like a concern in the back of my mind, I couldn't be too picky because it's like college housing and I was trying to find a house for like me and my five friends. But like a thought in the back of my head is like, could my dad get in here? Like we have these ramps that help him, but like sometimes there's like five or six steps and you're like, he couldn't get in here. So we just like try to keep stuff like that in the back of our heads um, to make sure that he's as included as possible in situations like this. Wow. Wow. All right. Everything I told you before. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. I, Go for it. I thought I thought of the thing I forgot. Can I? Yeah. You... Um, so in high school, I was on, like, another example of something that didn't quite work out. I was on, like, the homecoming court, and there's that, like, tradition of, I don't know if every town does this, but, like, the people on the homecoming court will sit in, like, a... Uh, a convertible car and drive through the town and wave at people. And like my dad couldn't get into that car. So my sisters drove me instead. And then my parents just like met us there. But so it's like stuff like that where it doesn't work out. And so you have to compromise. Yeah. Yeah. But it sounds like, again, you've learned how to handle all all this stuff with just, here's our version of it. And if we can't have our version of it, we accept that. And we keep a lot of, communication yep. open to always figure that out. You're a cool person. I feel very lucky <laughs> that I got to talk to you. That's funny. My bio for like any social media is like, I'm an okay person. No, you got to change I that. It's just like a nice, like go to, um, yeah, it is. I don't know because like, there's always like people growing up when they're, like outsiders are like, oh my gosh, you're so sweet. Like, well, not to make fun of you, but that's basically what you're doing. But um, <laughs> just like older, like older people in our parish would just be like, you guys take care of your dad so well. And we're like, okay, yeah, but like, you don't know, like our, like the inside of our life. Like, you don't know when I roll my eyes, when I have to like stand up and help him. And so people are always like, oh, you're such a great person. And I'm like, I'm okay. So that's where that comes from. Well, I don't know you well enough to so. To know if you're great, so I'm not going to fall into that trap that you just laid out. But I do feel like within an hour, I've I've learned enough about you to know that you're strong and you're kind. And I think those things are just true. You can't see it because we're on a phone. I just whipped when you said that. You just what? You want to know something else about me? Wait, you just what? I whipped? Like, you know. Whipped? Do I have to say it again? (laughs) Like, you know, the dance move. When you, I'm 38 years. Throw your old. arm out. I'm 38 years old. Is that like dabbing? Any, like, is dabbing a thing still? It's, it's not. It's like I do it. Like I would like to say, ironically, but it's just a force of habit. But you really don't know what whipping is. I'm 38 years old. I don't know what whipping Everyone is. Knows. Do you? Jared, Jared doesn't know. Harry does know. That's that's the exact. Generational breakdown that we just discovered. Harry, can you show me a whip so I can visualize this? Harry's going to show me a whip through the glass. 
So it looks like a punch. Looks like a punch in the air. Yeah, you just it, like if you're doing the actual dance, like you really get into it. You lean to one side, but sometimes oh, when I get like a good critique or someone says something nice, I'll just do a little one with my hand, just be like, "Oh yeah." Here's here's the thing. Okay, you got this interview in about half an hour, and all that stuff I was telling about you before. Maybe some of that language is useful, but it's tricks, and most of it was jokes, as you know. Here's one thing I really want you yeah. to say, though. Here's one thing I really want you to say is when they ask you about your strengths. I think you just. I think one thing you can say, and it's not exploiting your own story. I think you can just say, "I honestly think more than most twenty-year-olds that you're going to meet, you can throw anything at me because I've dealt with a lot of real life, and it's taught me to how to handle." things being thrown at me. And I don't think, uh, I think more than most 20 year olds, I'm not going to be thrown by anything you throw at me. Cause I've just learned how to deal with so many situations that a lot of young people haven't had to think about. And I think that's totally true. Mm-hmm. You've dealt with a lot of real life. That's, and that's a very good like interview sentence. <laughs> yeah, but it's also true. It's also true. <laughs> yep. That's what makes it great. I would go with that. I would let them know. A lot of 20-year-olds, you got to teach them about real life. You don't have to teach me about real life because I've I've learned a lot about that. And like I said, then you say, I'm ready to put my head down and do the work and think about the relationship between the client mm-hmm. and the product and the consumer. Then you get into all that bullshit. But yep. you've lived a lot of real bada life. Bada bing, bada boom. Yeah, you're, you're, you're a tough one. You're, you're, a, you're, you're a tough cookie. People in my class might not think so because, as I said, I have – openly cried <laughs> well like you Mostly. said be- they can straight fuck off <laughs> caller thank you so much for uh telling us your your story and your family's story and and for opening up and i hope you get that gig i sincerely do I hope you get that gig and that you have a lot of fun doing it and that you uh just crush it have fun. Thank you, caller. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to Jared O'Connell and Harry Nelson in the booth. Thank you, Justin Linville, for all your help in my life. Thank you, Shell Shag, for the intro music. Want to know about me? And when I'm going out on the road and when I'm doing shows around New York, go to chrisgeth.com. All the ticket links will be there. If you like Beautiful Anonymous, one thing you can do to help the show, you go to Apple Podcasts. You rate, review, subscribe. It really helps when you do. We'll see you next time on Beautiful Anonymous. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, someone from Berlin introduces us to a guy who grew up in Oklahoma, but then he moved to Washington, and now he lives in Finland. I, I hope this is not going to be weird. He, I, I warned him, but he was like, okay, so... Wait, because he knows the show, but he's not... <laughs> um, I don't think he's that prepared. Okay. This is such a lovely... I'm glad I got to talk to you for a few minutes, and this is such a... Hello? A lovely surprise. Hello. Hi. Hi, this is Chris. Hi, Chris. This is... Oh, hi. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm, I'm just going to say Are you on the phone, now. too? I don't know if I'm still... Yeah. So now we're all on the phone um, together. This is nice. <laughs> That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous. Do you love true crime? Are you looking to start the new year with a great binge listen? Well, I've got a new podcast that you're going to love. It's called The Angel of Vine. 
It's an audio drama, basically a movie for your ears that combines classic Hollywood noir with contemporary true crime podcasting to tell the story of a journalist who uncovers the audio tapes of a 1950s private eye who cracked the greatest unsolved murder mystery Hollywood has ever known and didn't tell a soul. The Angel of Vine features a stellar A-list cast, including Joe Manganiello, Alfred Molina, Constance Zimmer, and more. You can listen to every episode ad-free, plus bonus content exclusively on Stitcher Premium. For a free month of Stitcher Premium, go to stitcherpremium.com and use promo code STORIES.